This is the World Vegan Travel Podcast. I'm Bridie, one of the founders of World Vegan Travel Tours, and the World Vegan Travel Podcast is all about showing you how you might explore the world as a vegan. We do different types of episodes. We share our vegan travel experiences and the experiences of others to inspire you to get out into this beautiful world. And we conduct interviews with people doing amazing things to promote vegan travel, as well as individuals and organizations that are protecting human and non-human animals in a destination you could be visiting. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Kinga Sabo. Kinga is a 35-year vegan veteran who has been tour guiding in various places around the world, including her home country of Hungary. And that is what we'll be talking about today, her home country of Hungary. If you are someone who doesn't know much about this country, you will definitely want to listen and get a bit more of an insight into how travellers can. There is so much more to Hungary than just the capital. And I feel like this is where most people spend their time when they are doing a visit of Central Europe. She will share basically how you might be able to spend at least a week just on the recommendations in this short podcast. Interestingly, Kinga originally reached out to me because she had found out about World Vegan Travel and she wanted to know if we might run tours to Hungary. To be honest, Hungary is not high up on the list, although of course it would be lovely. So if you want to go and visit Hungary at any time in the next few years, then you should definitely reach out to Kinga so she can help you enjoy this amazing place. But first, this podcast is sponsored by World Vegan Travel, the group tour company where vegan and vegan curious travellers can experience the best of vegan travel to amazing and exotic destinations around the world. So if you listen to our podcast, you will know that we recently came back from Italy where we ran two very successful trips, one to Tuscany and one to Northern Italy. We had an absolute blast with these lovely groups, I will say. And then when we asked Mike and Sherry, two of our Tuscany travellers, what would they say to people that were kind of thinking about joining one of these trips with us with World Vegan Travel? Here's what they had to say. Oh, just do it. I mean, just do it. From day one, as soon as you get to that orientation, you have no worries in the world. Everything's taken care of. You're like, oh, it must be so easy to plan. And then you see uh, Bridie sweating out the details at the back of the bus. And you're like, I'm so happy that she's doing that. And I don't have to do that. It was just, it's just a wonderful thing. It was just so easy. Just do it. From the very beginning, the language that's written about the trip the language that we receive from emails from Seb and Bridey, the inclusivity and the community starts as soon as you sign up. And then it just gets better from there. Thank you. Thank you all for creating these experiences and giving us a place to come and not just experience Tuscany, because that is a unique experience in and of itself, but to experience it as a vegan, to experience it as a, a person who loves other people and then to receive that back and thank you for all the little details that add up to just a, an amazing trip thank you mike and sherry mike and sherry are actually booked on two more trips uh, as a result of them joining us in tuscany we absolutely can't wait to see them again including our trip in south africa at around christmas time this year so if you think mike and sherry sound like lovely lovely people they are, and you can travel with them to South Africa. There are a lot of resources and destinations that we talk about in this episode, so make sure you look at the show notes and the blog post for this episode to get all of the details. Let's chat with Kinga. Hello, Kinga. Thank you so much for joining me on the World Vegan Travel Podcast. Hello, Brady. 
I'm really excited to have you here because we're going to be talking about a destination that we've never talked about on the podcast before, and that is Hungary as a destination. And you are very well qualified to speak on this topic for several reasons, but I don't want to talk too much to that because I want to let you do that. So Kinga, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you're doing in the travel space? Thank you, Bridie. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I'm very happy to be the first to talk about my beautiful country. There are millions of things I can tell you about. It's a little difficult to choose. I am a guide and uh, I'm a vegan guide as well. So I have been vegan for about 32 years. I became a vegetarian first and very soon I became a vegan. That time in Hungary, People didn't even know the word vegetarian. <laughs> and I always loved animals. Actually, I wanted to be a veterinarian from childhood. And I didn't become a veterinarian because I loved animals so much. I heard that would be animal testing at the university. So I just didn't want to do that. And I was very much against it. So that's why I didn't become a veterinarian. But I still love animals very much. I had a dog. Then I met someone who was a vegetarian very, very early, and he was a Krishna devotee. That was the time when Krishna devotees just started coming to Hungary. I remember when he told me he stopped eating meat. It was just such a touching thing for me. It touched my heart. I think I had even tears in my eyes because we are such a meat-eater country. I just didn't know that it was possible because that time doctors told us that you have to eat meat, otherwise you'll die. I decided that on my birthday, I would become a vegetarian, but I didn't know what to eat. So I just had cheese and bread all the time. Actually, it happened in London because I was a babysitter. I decided that I would rather die than eating meat again. This was the beginning of my journey. Very soon I realized about the milk industry as well, so I stopped that. Now it's very easy actually because we have wonderful vegan restaurants. We have the best vegan restaurant in Europe. So now it's easy. This is my story. And I have been a guide for more than 25 years. I guide vegans, but there are very few of them, but most of the people are not vegan, actually. I love my job because I love looking after people. I love traveling and I love talking a lot. I'm a fairy tale teller as well, so I tell fairy tales to my people. I love cooking. We have a few vegan foods in Hungary. I would love to have lots of people to come to Hungary and show the beauty of our country in a vegan way, of course. It really brings us on to our topic, doesn't it? Our topic of reasons why people would go to Hungary. So people who don't know so much about the country, you know, there's these stereotypes of, you know, Central Europe and heavy foods, uh, an ex-Soviet bloc country. So uh, people think that it's very grey, the grey architecture and these kinds of things. But there's much more to Hungary than this. Why might people like to visit Hungry. Yes, I can understand from that part, it looks that we are gray. Although socialist countries, those countries who belong to the communist system, but they were not all the same. First of all, we were those who suffered the most from the socialist system. But among the socialist countries, it was Hungary who was called the happiest barack. 
because it was a much lighter type of a socialist system. During the 50s, the socialist system was horrible. You may have heard of the 56th revolution. That time, about 200,000 people left the country and the revolution broke out because in 1947, the communist party won the elections and they started stretching their power all over the country. The people were forced to give their cooperatives and the cooperatives didn't work. There was a ticket system, but people didn't get any food for the tickets. So there was just not enough food. And the 50s were really uh, terrible. That's why the revolution broke out. It was a beautiful revolution because people were walking in the street, hundreds of thousands and later millions of people were walking in the street quietly. Actually, we were asking for help of uh, the Western country, but since we, we didn't get it, the Soviet Union attacked Hungary. They thought that they would finish Hungary within a day, but actually Hungary was in war with the great Soviet Union for weeks. After that, horrible thing happened because people were punished, but that horrible ruler was changed to a lighter one. The Soviet Union could understand that the communist system should not be that harsh. They developed a lighter communist system. People were able to have their own property. There were some private shops. People were able to go to churches. They could marry in churches. After a while, surprisingly, the cooperatives started working. And they worked so well that Hungary was the only country who was able to sell their agricultural products. The markets were full. And the symbol of the richness was the meat. There was lots of meat, mainly pig which was a very sad thing, but there were plenty of vegetables and fruits as well. We were able to travel as well, while people from other countries couldn't travel. It was not as colorful because I was 10 years old when I went to Austria first time and I saw the colorful shops. We also had chocolates. We had everything, but we didn't have so many variety. The houses are beautiful because we had one of the richest Art Nouveau, for example, in Europe. We had excellent architects and the most beautiful Andrashi Avenue, which was constructed at the same time when Champs-Élysées in Paris. Many of the American films which play in Paris, they were actually made in Budapest. There's so many films. You don't even realize that it was made in Hungary. When people come and see our houses, they are actually in shock because they are just so amazing, beautiful. They were gray because they were not restored. At the beginning, the houses were nationalized, but after a while, they started selling the houses to the original owners or to the people who lived inside. We have one of the most beautiful avenue, which uh, was constructed in between the 1870s and the 1920s. That is very similar to the Champs-Élysées in Paris because it was constructed during the same time. But it is not that the Hungarian architect wanted to copy Paris. The thing is that the architecture was the same that time. It was the same style of architecture, but all of the houses are different and very beautiful. We have many UNESCO World Heritage sites. I would really love to show it to the people. What I love the most about Hungary is the water because we have the river Danube with the most beautiful bridges. Budapest is uh, actually the first in the world in uh, medicinal water.
We have the largest number of hot springs in the world. Hungary is lying on hot springs and hot waters. About 70, 80% of the country, wherever we would make a, a hole, look for oil. <laughs> there is always hot water coming up. Like thermal spas <laughs> where people can go and enjoy yes. the medicinal benefits of the water. Yes, and the most beautiful thermal complex of the world is in Budapest. It is called the Sechenyi Bath. It's a very large complex with about 20 pools, outdoor pools and indoor pools as well. The second one is called Gellert Bath. For me, the second is more beautiful. I like it more. I wouldn't call them bath. I would call them bathing palaces because they are in real palaces. They are extremely beautiful. We have a very famous Hungarian ceramic factory who decorated many of our buildings. This is one of our specialities that many of the buildings, which were made during the turn of the 19th century, they are decorated with very colorful, beautiful ceramic. We have some baths, which are from the Turkish times. Because the Turks occupied Hungary, they were here for 150 years. We suffered a lot from the Turks. They have made beautiful bathing places. The people have been using the hot water for at least 2,000 years, but the places were open and uh, there were only houses where they could change their clothes. The Turks made beautiful bathing palaces. Some of them still work. And they are from the 16th century, so they are about 400 years old. How long did they occupy Hungary for? They were here for 150 years. They actually didn't do much good for us, but they have done a lot of good for the vegans because they brought paprika for us. They brought tomato. They brought all of the vegetables, meat, a lot of meat, which is true because we can be extremely cold in wintertime. In these countries, they eat a lot of meat. When the Turks were here, they brought eggplant and they brought a lot of wonderful vegetables. Paprika is really Hungarian. That is originally from Mexico. It went to the Turks and then from Turks it came to Hungary. It became a Hungarian specialty. Wherever you go, wherever you eat, if you eat Hungarian food, it is usually completely red. The Hungarian food is red because we use a lot of paprika powder, but it is not chili. It's a hybrid actually, which is a sweet paprika, not hot at all. We use it as a base. We chop onion, fry it a little bit, then we add lots of paprika powder and immediately we reduce heat. This is the base of every food. All right. Thank you so much for giving an overview as to the architecture <laughs> being so beautiful and the thermal baths being so interesting. What is the Hungarian countryside like and what are some highlights? Where would you say people might like to visit outside of Budapest? First of all, we call it Budapest, not Budapest. In Hungarian, around uh, Budapest, there are several places we can visit. We have a wonderful little town, which is about 28 kilometers from Budapest. That is called St. Andrea, St. Andrea or St. Andrew. That is a lovely little town with uh, colorful houses uh, next to the River Danube. It has its own Mediterranean architecture from the Middle Ages because it was occupied by the Serbian uh, refugees who were occupied by the Turks for a much longer time. When we became free from the Turks, they came up and they have made lovely Mediterranean town for us. The town is a very old, the Serbians 
repopulated it. It has a lovely town square, little shops, restaurants, cafes. It is really a great place to be. This is a very common little excursion what we make. It can be a half day or a one day excursion. There is also a place which is an open air museum because Hungary has very unique country houses. There's an open air museum which is divided to 10 parts and houses were brought there from different parts of Hungary to introduce the different architectures in the different parts. It's really lovely because you can see old ladies sitting next to the house and they explain everything to you. <laughs> Some of the houses are made of mud, which is amazing. Mud is best because it is cool in winter, warm in summer. Some of the houses are made of bricks. Could you tell me the name of that again? It is in Santandra. There is a little town within all the town square and a few kilometers away outside of the city. That is the Open Air Museum. It's called Schkonzen. Schkonzen at least Open Air Museum of Santander. If you go a little bit further, it's another lake. It's the longest lake in Europe, 77 kilometers long. It's about 80 kilometers from Budapest, not that far. It's a beautiful, long and narrow lake. Imagine that uh, one or two times a year, people swim from one side to the other side. Wow. <laughs> Which is about five kilometers. <laughs> I think this year, the oldest man who swam through it was 84 years old. He did the whole 77 kilometers? No, not the 77, just five kilometers straight from one side to the other, five kilometers. It is 77 kilometers long and about five kilometers wide. 7,000 people swim from one side to the other one. So that's another wonderful water experience. It has lots of sailboats and it has several competitions with sailboats. We always visit the houses of the fishermen who live there hundreds of years ago. We see the life, how the people live next to the beach, their traditional life. There are lovely restaurants, cafes, and we just walk next to the lake. The lake is green, imagine, because of algae, some kind of plankton. Uh, uh, it is also a healing lake. There are two ways of healing, being healed with the hot medicinal water. One of them is to drink, the other one is to sit in it, and there's a hospital. We also have doctors, rheumatologists, who specialize for the hot medicinal water because they are for different diseases. There are people coming from all over, the, all over the world and they just stay and they go to the bath like every day for three weeks, they stay here and they got healed. So our water is just wonderful for arthritis and uh, for gynecological diseases and for heart problems. So there is different water for different problems. They are really magical. Wow, that does sound really, really interesting. Yes. I didn't really think about Hungary having lakes, to be quite honest. I know about the river. I did a vegan river cruise that finished in Budapest a few years ago, and it was a lot of fun. We had a, a couple of nights in Budapest total, but I'm only familiar with the river, not these lakes. That's so interesting. And what about the topography? What about like mountains and hiking? Because I find a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, they really want to visit the cities, but they also want to get out into nature and experience the 
the wonders because if I understand well, I think Hungary has a lot of forest. Am I right about that? Oh, well, we have forests, but we don't have that much large number of forests because we don't have high mountains. And if you have high mountains, then it is not allowed to cut out the trees. We have a beautiful forest, yes. We don't have a sea and we don't have high mountains, but we have something very special and that is called Pusta or uh, the Hungarian Great Plain, which is completely clay plain. They say that people who live there, they have good eyes because they look far and it is good for the eye. We have lots of herbs. Uh, we have herbal shops where you can buy hundreds of types of herbs in a little packet. And majority are from there. Originally, there were forests everywhere, but uh, Hungarians, when they arrived here, they cut out the forest because they were animal breeders, which is really bad. It has the best quality of vegetables and fruits as well. You can see the horses as well, the animals. There are lovely little 500 years old or even older churches. And uh, some of them are made of mud. Some of them are made of stone. So they are very unique. And every place has its own style of architecture, their own costumes and own hand embroidery as well. One of the Hungarian costume for ladies or girls on the countryside is that they had uh, many skirts. So it happened that they wore 12 skirts, one on other. One on top of the other, like 12 skirts. So, yes, yes. Oh, I think I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Next time <laughs> if you come, I would like to take you to a Hungarian dance house because we have dance houses where anyone can join and they teach you dancing. Sometimes it's free, sometimes it's very cheap. It's just so easy. Some of the dances are just like Greek dances. So, we dance in a circle and it's just a few steps, right? A few steps, lap, very, very easy. And it is, it's a wonderful feeling to be with us. You can feel like a Hungarian. Yeah, that does sound really fun. What a great opportunity for some interaction with local people. Mm. How would we find those dance houses? Or is it something that you need a guide or someone to introduce you? Yeah, I think you would need a guide. Or if you have a group, then I can search for someone who will come and teach us. Because they are just for Hungarians. It is a secret, but I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the benefit yes, of using yes. a local guide and that yeah. you have a bridge that connects the tourist with the local culture yeah. otherwise yes. it, it can be challenging i always wanted uh, my people to come and dance with me but they always stay for a short time because they run from country to country many times my groups go to vienna as well because vienna is very close we can go to vienna in two and a half hours sometimes we just go there for a day and come back yeah i feel like a lot of visitors from north america will come to hungary but they probably only stay for a couple of days in Budapest yes. they, and then they go on to the next place, Poland, Warsaw, for example, and make it big, a bigger part of a Central European trip. All right. So bearing in mind that many people will just stay a couple of nights in Budapest, I think it would be really great to get from a professional, a vegan professional tour guide, what would be the perfect two-day itinerary for Budapest. So imagine that I've arrived or the traveler has arrived late that evening, they check into the hotel, they wake up in the morning, 
what do they do? I would recommend you to have a city tour. Budan Pasch used to be two different towns, so the two towns are quite different. You should take a boat cruise because that is so beautiful. And you should take the boat cruise at night if it's possible. Next morning, we can have a city tour first at the Pasch side and then at the Buddha side as well. We will see Antarctica Avenue, the Opera House, the Hero Square, the City Park, the second most beautiful bath, and then to the Castle District as well. We visit the vegan restaurant, which is the largest vegan restaurant. It is called Napfenyash Vegan Restaurant. We have a lot of vegan restaurants now, and we have excellent vegan food in many places. The next day, we can go to Santander to see that lovely little town. If we could organize dance, that would be so wonderful because then you could be a Hungarian. Or if you are tired, then I can take you to the bath because... The bath is just amazing. Okay. All right. Okay. Kinga, I'm sure you have convinced many people to come and check out Budapest and Hungary, your beautiful home country. And I'm going to invite people to go and have a look at the show notes to learn about how they can contact Kinga. She doesn't have a website quite yet, but if she does have one soon, I'll link to it in the show notes there. And There'll be some information on how you can contact Kinga. Why don't you just tell us, Kinga, how can people find you and reach out to you? First, I would like to tell you to stay longer, if it's possible, because then I can show you more things. And you can contact me on Vegan Budapest Guide, but I will leave my email address. I think it will be written there. I may will have a website, but I am an anti-internet person. So if you write me a mail, I can give you my WhatsApp number so we can organize whatever you like. You can make a beautiful vegan cooking course. Let me know when you come. It was wonderful meeting you, Brighty. Yes, it's lovely to meet you too, Kinga. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and we'll check out Kinga and stay tuned for more episodes that will help you get ready to discover this beautiful planet, whether you stay in your local area or go further afield. If you are interested in finding out more about Well Vegan Travel and what we do, please check out our website, wellvegantravel.com. If you like this podcast and want to dig a little bit deeper into the content, then you can do that by going to the show notes for each episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Consider subscribing and leaving a review and we hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.